right, guys, welcome to today's episode of Locked On SEC Podcast, part of Locked On Podcast Network. I am your host, Blake Lovell, and on today's episode of the podcast, we dive into the wild and wacky uh, college basketball transfer portal and look at uh, what's going on with some of the SEC teams here as we, we look at the transfer portal. Several teams have gotten big commitments uh, from players uh, around the country, and there are a lot more that are still among the mix uh, for some of the top players in the transfer portal. So we'll get into that and look ahead at uh, a way too early bracketology from ESPN's Joe Lenardi. Uh, he released that on Monday, and uh, there were lots of SEC teams included, uh, some maybe that are not included that, that may surprise some people but we'll, we'll look at that uh, and see where he has SEC team slotted in his way too early bracketology but we do start with transfers and uh, again there are a lot of them <laughs> and uh, there are a lot uh, that seem to be interested in SEC teams but before we do that uh, one note here John Rothstein put out on Twitter on Sunday uh, that according to his sources we, we talk about transfers and all that Uh, He mentioned that if the NCAA votes in June to allow that one-time transfer that everyone's been talking about uh, to where you could transfer one time, be eligible immediately, um, it would likely not start until the 2021-22 season, which makes sense uh, because, you know, if if you vote on that and if it is approved, you're not going to start that, you know, with this upcoming season. I think that would present way too much chaos, and uh, but it would make sense that they would want to start it the, the following season. Uh, but I, again, I, that's something we'll talk more about. I know everyone has uh, different opinions on whether that would be good or bad uh, for college sports, but uh, it's going to be interesting to, to see uh, if the NCAA ultimately votes uh, to allow that one-time transfer uh, with players being eligible immediately because it would open up uh, a lot of possibilities in terms of uh, if we think the transfer portal, uh, it, there's a lot in it right now. Uh, there would probably be a lot more uh, if that does indeed happen, but we'll talk more about that. Uh, some of the commitments here uh, for SEC teams, uh, when you look at transfers, JUCO players, we'll start with Ole Miss picking up a big addition uh, in Ryder grad transfer to Mencio Vaughn. Uh, he commits to the Rebels, a uh, 6'5 guard who averaged 14.8 points and 6.6 rebounds per game last season. Um, it's a key you know, addition for, for Kermit Davis and company because as we've talked about this offseason, um, you, know, you lose Bree and Tyree. Uh, we know a couple other players have transferred out of the program and, and Ole Miss is a team that when you look around at some of these reports and rumors uh, of teams that are interested in grad transfers or transfers, period, you've seen Ole Miss in that mix on a lot of these reports from guys like John Rothstein and Jeff Goodman um, because it's not surprising just because we know the Rebels are trying to you know rebuild and, and keep the roster moving in the right direction. Uh, they're going to get Jarkel Joyner uh, to transfer from, from Cal State Bakersfield. He will join the mix uh, as someone who averaged you know double digits uh, at Bakersfield, and, and he'll be someone that's expected to step in and make an impact right away. But now you add Vaughn to the mix as well. And I think for the Rebels, you know, it, it, again, it's it's just about continuing to build the roster. And, and we always say this now, you still probably don't know who's going to transfer out. Um, and you still feel like that there are possibilities for guys that are going to transfer in. And this is one of the players uh, that now, you know, they're going to add to the mix. 
and someone asked me this, you know, I think the Ole Miss program, look, the expectations were that in their first season, everyone thought they would be the worst team in the SEC. They made the NCAA tournament. Um, and then this past season, you know, they struggled a bit and they just couldn't win some of those close games because as we talked about in our conversation with Kermit Davis here on the podcast recently, um, they just lost some of those close games. And even if several of those go a different way, maybe we're talking about Ole Miss as a team that's right there on the bubble heading into the SEC tournament. Um, So uh, just rebuilding the roster and clearly um, Kermit Davis and company have identified, you know, some players that they feel like that could help them right away. And Vaughn is obviously one of those players uh, as a grad transfer and someone who, you know, has proven uh, scoring ability and some one who has good size for a guard uh, and should be able to step in and help the Rebels uh, there next season. Speaking of guards uh, with good size, uh, Alabama's getting one of those in Juco guard Keon Ellis, uh, who committed to the Tide on Sunday. Uh, I think that was one that did not surprise a lot of people. Um, That seemed to be uh, the direction uh, that he he was going to to choose. And it's a key addition for the Tide because uh, we know how they want to play under Nate Oates. And and that's what we keep talking about is that offense, the up-tempo style. But now they're getting guards you know, that have good size. And and that's important, not just on the offensive end, but on the defensive side of the court, uh, because, you know, you want to be able to to guard better too. And I think as we saw last season, there were times where Alabama struggled on on the defensive side. Uh, But uh, now if you can add these guards with more size and really, you know, look at Ellis, someone who a lot of people have mentioned, you know, just a guy that that has that scores mentality. Uh, He's going to add another scoring dynamic to a roster that already has a lot of that. Uh, a six-six combo guard, uh, and and remember, it, we have to look at it too from an NBA draft perspective. Depending on who comes back for Alabama, I think that's going to make it very important because if they can get some of these players back, and specifically, obviously, we're talking about uh, Kyra Lewis, John Petty, Herbert Jones. You know, if you can get a couple of those guys back. That's that makes a big difference, especially in adding someone now like Ellis. Uh, we know what they have recruiting wise, bringing in Josh Primo, Keon Ambrose Hilton, um, and what the possibilities still are for this Alabama team. Uh, I think that they're they're going to be right there, and, and as we'll see uh, from Joe Lenardi's uh, bracketology in a bit, uh, he probably is thinking the same right now uh, when you look at what the possibilities are for this Alabama team. But um, you know, overall, still, I think for the Tide, it's about you know getting better better front court production, and that's going to be key for them. Uh, in terms of rebounding, defending at the rim, uh, those are things that they're still going to have to improve. And there's no doubt that Nate Oates and his staff are really trying to to work on that here in the offseason, whether that's through transfer or, or other means. But uh, if they can improve those areas, they're not going to have a problem scoring. And that's what I said when Ellis committed. Um, we just we know at this point that's the new expectation uh, for Alabama basketball is they're just they're going to score a lot of points. And I think Ellis is someone uh, who fits right into that mix uh, in terms of dynamic scores um, to to add to the mix and um, you know again if they can get some of those players back from the draft uh, Alabama uh, should be a team that's right there you know as as one of the better teams uh, in the SEC next season but uh, coming up we'll talk about some more transfers and uh, ones that haven't yet committed but are interested uh, in SEC teams and there are several uh, that could be huge gets uh, for some of the teams around the conference we'll get into those coming up here on the Locked On SEC podcast part of Locked On Podcast Network. And there are lots of other SEC teams pursuing transfers, and some of them uh, among the group for some of the best transfers 
out there. And let's start with uh, Bowling Green grad transfer, Justin Turner, uh, who included Missouri in his final four schools. Um, someone who, one of the better scorers that's certainly out there in the transfer portal. Um, he has cut his list to his final four, which includes Missouri, Marquette, Iowa State, and Bowling Green. So uh, potential, I, I guess, there for him to return. Uh, however, uh, when you look at Missouri's spot in this, I mean, if you can land a 6'4 guard who averaged 18.8 points per game last season, um, that would be a nice addition. And I think for the Tigers, um, that's a team that, that does have several guys, you know, testing the NBA draft waters. I, I think ultimately most expect those guys to return to school, but you don't really ever know, uh, especially in this landscape in terms of the opportunities that are available now in professional basketball, even if it's not the NBA. Uh, but if you look at it from, from the Tigers' standpoint, if you can add someone like this to the mix, um, that would be very nice for Conzo Martin because uh, he does have a nice nucleus returning next season. And if you can add Turner, someone that, that's going to add that element of experience, which they're going to have several experienced guys on the roster, um, you know that would be a good thing to have, and especially for a team – as we said this past season, that still struggled a bit on offense. And, and while they, they played good defense, um, their offense could be frustrating at times just because of the inconsistency and, and struggling to shoot the ball. Uh, but if you add Turner, again, a proven score, and everyone always says, yeah, you know, you average 18.8 points per game at Bowling Green, but can you do it in the SEC? I don't know that the expectation is for him to come in and just average 20 points per game uh, for the Tigers, but he is someone that has proven that, that he can score consistently you know, at the Division One level in a, in a league like the MAC, I still think that that could be important for this Missouri team because they're going to have to get better on offense. And, and if they can get the bulk of their rotation back, uh, they're going to be a better team just because, you know, they're going to have better chemistry uh, from playing together for a season and just finding a better rhythm on offense. Um, adding Turner would, would be significant uh, without a doubt uh, for the Tigers. Um, speaking of another grad transfer that's out there, and this one averaged more points than Turner did, uh, and that is Seattle grad transfer, Terrell Brown. Um, Arkansas and Auburn are among the teams pursuing him, and I think at this point you could probably throw in uh, a lot of teams because uh, John Rothstein put out uh, the list that he has, and, and it is quite a, a large one, which you would expect at this point uh, for someone like Brown, uh, who averaged 20.7 points per game, 6.7 rebounds per game, and 4.9 assists per game among the teams that are uh, pursuing him right now. Arizona, San Diego State, Boise State, Washington State, Washington, DePaul, Oregon State, Utah State, Texas Tech, BYU, Santa Clara, and the two SEC teams, uh, Auburn and Arkansas, plus Wake Forest as well uh, in that mix. Uh, so there are a lot of teams uh, going after him. So it's not as though uh, Auburn and Arkansas are in the uh, Missouri spot when it comes to Justin Turner, uh, who, who cut his list to four and had Missouri in there. A lot of other teams uh, still pushing uh, for Brown. And, uh, you know, he's someone that just a, a heck of a player. He was the first team uh, all-whack guy. Um, you know, he's been one of the better guards in that conference the past couple seasons. And uh, he would be a, a just a – I mean, he would be someone – if if either of these two SEC teams, and again, not knowing, you know, you assume maybe that some of these other SEC teams could also join the mix here uh, to try to pursue him. 
you know, if Auburn could get him, knowing what they're going to lose uh, on the roster and potentially bringing in, uh, you know, Sharif Cooper, possibly Jalen Green, uh, you know, if they can have someone like Terrell Brown to the mix, um, knowing that uh, you would have quite a trio of guards uh, in that scenario, if that were to be the case uh, for the Tigers heading into next season, um, that would be, you know, obviously a, a major, major uh, get for Bruce Pearl. And then for Arkansas, we've talked a bit about the, the Razorbacks. I mean, they could be one of the SEC's best teams next season. Um, you know, Mason Jones is declared for the draft, still has the opportunity to come back. We don't really know what that's going to look like. Isaiah Joe, uh, you know, we don't know there either. Um, so there, there's still lots of, of unknowns in terms of the players that could return for Arkansas, but we know they have a top 10 recruiting class coming in. We know that they're still going to return a, a quite a bit of you know production on their roster next season uh, because you know they only had you know a couple guys that that were seniors. If you look at it that way, uh, if if Arkansas were to, were to land him, um, that would be huge. Uh, you know, if, if let's say Mason Jones and or Isaiah Joe uh, both went went the NBA route, professional route, uh, if you could replace you know those guys or one of those guys. With someone like Terrell Brown, that would be huge because uh, he is a player and he is a scorer, uh, clearly. And you could see from his overall stats, just a, a very good overall player um, in terms of just being able to add a little bit in a lot of different areas. And so uh, Eric Musselman, once again, uh, working uh, the transfer route and uh, trying to get uh, one of the better players on the board right now uh, in Brown. So Back to Missouri, uh, who is also in the group with Vanderbilt, among those uh, pursuing uh, Bucknell transfer, Jimmy Sotos, uh, 6'3 guard uh, who averaged 11.5 points, 3.9 assists per game last season. Um, He's someone that uh, has several teams uh, also in the group there, Gonzaga, uh, Minnesota, Ohio State, and Xavier uh, also joining the mix, uh, according to to John Rothstein. Uh, so lots of good programs uh, in the hunt there uh, for uh, Sotos, who, uh, again, someone who uh, a very reliable guard uh, for Bucknell. And, uh, you know, guard play, we've seen that. Look at all these players we've talked about. I mean, there are just a lot of good guards out there. And, um, you know, that's that's probably a good thing because uh, it does give you a lot of options if you're a team uh, that, that needs, you know, to add guards to your roster. Um, there are a lot of them out there uh, in the transfer portal. And uh, so Missouri and Vanderbilt uh, among the mix there uh, for Sotos. And so uh, two teams, as we know, Vanderbilt, you know, Saban Lee uh, entered the NBA draft as well. Not sure if he'll return. And uh, Aaron Naismith, uh, obviously, uh, is going to, to stay in the NBA draft. It's probably a first-round pick. Um, so the Commodores will have some, some production replace uh, without question in the backcourt. And so uh, Sotos could be an option uh, there for them. And we just talked about Missouri, uh, all the players they could be bringing back uh, and whether or not, you know, they get Justin Turner uh, could play a big role in terms of uh, pursuing other players at the guard position. And uh, another grad transfer, and this one, um, you know, from a, a former SEC coach, and uh, that was Frank Haith at Tulsa. Uh, Arkansas, Georgia, and Ole Miss uh, included in the group that is pursuing Tulsa grad transfer, Jariah Horn, uh, who is a 6'7 forward, so not a guard. Uh, all, the, all the players we've talked about 
uh, have been guards at this point. But Jariah Horn, a 6'7 forward. He averaged 11.1 points, 5.2 rebounds per game last season. Tulsa was one of the surprise teams, not just uh, in the American Conference, but also probably in college basketball in terms of how well they played last season. And uh, he played a big role for him. And so uh, you've got Arkansas, Georgia, and Ole Miss. Uh, we know if you look at it from Arkansas' standpoint, we've talked about them. Uh, potentially, I think for Eric Musselman, uh, he's always been someone where it doesn't hurt you to, to at least reach out, see what type of fit there is uh, you know, with some of these players. And I think, as we're saying, with Arkansas being a team, that while they have a, a great recruiting class coming in and you know that there is solid production returning, you still have guys like Isaiah Joe and Mason Jones uh, that you're not sure exactly, you know, what what's going to be their choice uh, in terms of is there a potential that they could return to school or uh, are they both going to go the professional route? And I know people have different opinions on that, and it may seem clear cut uh, one way or the other. But, uh, you know, we still don't know because players do have that option now. Um, even if they go through the entire process, they can still return to school. And so I think it makes it harder to know for sure uh, what some of these players are going to decide. And then for Georgia and Ole Miss, we talked about Ole Miss. Um, you know, adding someone like Horn would be great for the Rebels uh, because, uh, you know, he would be someone that can, you know, offer some of that that scoring production that, that's going to have to be replaced uh, with Bree and Tyree. Uh, you know, graduating. And then for Georgia, um, you know, Georgia's still going to be a pretty young team next season. And so adding a, an experienced player like Horn uh, would, would be good for Tom Cream because, uh, you know, we know Anthony Edwards is leaving for the NBA draft. Rayshon Ham is testing the waters. You expect him to come back. Uh, but uh, if you can add Horn, that gives you an experienced player. And that's what Georgia's going to need more of uh, as experience going into next season. But those are some of the transfers that are out there. And there are going to be probably, like we said, a lot more that uh, you'll hear SEC teams get involved in. But uh, coming up, uh, we will shift from transfers to bracketology. And yes, uh, we know that the uh, 2021 NCAA tournament uh, is less than a year away at this point, uh, 11 months. But that doesn't mean that it's too early for bracketology. And Joe Lenardi has released uh, his way, 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 way too early bracketology for uh, the next season. And we'll get into that uh, coming up here on the Locked On SEC podcast, part of Locked On Podcast Network. And for the way too early bracketology for next season in college basketball, ESPN's Joe Lenardi has put out uh, the first edition of his bracketology for next season. And I'm sure, uh, as he joked about on Twitter, uh, there are lots of people that are already uh, yelling and screaming at him in the comments section. Uh, But uh, let's remember, folks, that uh, the season is uh, legitimately, you know, many months away at this point. We don't exactly know what the season's even going to look like. And if you specifically look at the NCAA tournament, um, that is a good 11 months away. So uh, please just realize that that I think Joe Lenardi is having fun with this and, and trying to look ahead without knowing what any of these rosters are going to look like going into next season. Um, so these are essentially meaningless, and they are just to have fun. And uh, I think that's what people are looking for right now is is fun and entertainment and uh, just uh, fun discussion because uh, that's all this is used for. So please don't take this uh, too seriously uh, with Joe Lenardi's uh, way too early bracketology. But he does have six SEC teams included, and it starts uh, at the top with Kentucky as a number one seed. Um, Don't think that's a surprise. We know the Wildcats, no matter who's on the roster, uh, they're going to be a team that has a lot of talent, probably going to be a top five team. 
And uh, we know that they have a really good recruiting class coming in. Uh, I know that they're going to lose players to the NBA draft, but uh, rinse, repeat, that's what Kentucky does. And uh, seeing Kentucky as a number one seed in a way too early uh, bracketology, no surprise there. The next team that he has from the SEC is number five seed Tennessee. Uh, We've talked about Tennessee here on the podcast over the past week or so. Um, you know, I've told you that, that I think the Vols are a top 15 team. Uh, adding EJ Anasicki to the mix as a grad transfer. They have a, a top recruiting class coming in as well. Uh, and uh, just thinking about what they bring back, the Defensive Player of the Year in Eve Ponds. Uh, John Fulkerson, you know, transformed himself into an all-SEC type of player. And so knowing what Tennessee has coming back, knowing what they're bringing in, uh, I think the Vols is a, is a five seed. You know, I think they could, you know, potentially be even higher than that. Uh, they'll be an SEC title contender next season. Uh, the next team on his list is Florida as a number six seed. Uh, Florida is one of those teams that I think the draft, uh, you know, we, we say these these changes at the NBA draft and all that. Uh, Florida is one of those teams that I think that, that they're going to be one um, that we look at and say may ultimately benefit from the changes in the NBA draft process. You don't know exactly who's going to come back, but we know if they can get that entire you know, sophomore group back when you look at Andrew Nimhart, Keontae Johnson, Noah Locke, uh, the Gators are going to be pretty good, uh, you know, knowing what, what they do have coming back. And I just, you know, seeing them as a sixth seed, uh, another one that, that's probably not going to be a surprise. You expect the Gators to be one of the, the best teams in the SEC next season. Uh, number seven seed is LSU. So lots of familiar uh, teams here uh, at the top of Lenardi's uh, part of the bracket in terms of the SEC. Uh, LSU, another one where, you know, we know some of these guys are going to test the NBA draft waters. We don't know exactly who's going to come back, uh, but uh, we still, you know, understand that LSU is going to have a lot of talent probably on the roster, and uh, there'll be a team uh, that's right there, you know, in, in that range. And that's kind of where they were, you know, we would have talked about going into this year's NCAA tournament. They probably would have wound up as a 7, 8, 9 type of seed. Um, so not knowing exactly who they're going to have coming back. LSU is probably a team that may be a little bit harder to project uh, than teams like Kentucky, Tennessee, or Florida. Uh, but uh, the Tigers should still be you know, a team that has a chance to make the NCAA tournament. And we're saying that right now, again, not knowing exactly what the roster is going to look like. Um, he has Arkansas as a number eight seed. Um, I think I would probably, you know, put the Razorbacks a little bit higher than that. And we've talked about why uh, when you consider, you know, again, I know that they have a really good recruiting class coming in. And we know that they could land some of these transfers that we talked about a bit earlier. Uh, but probably, you know, why some people may still put Arkansas, you know, in that range of an eight seed type of team, maybe a borderline NCAA tournament team. Uh, is because of the unknowns with Isaiah Joe, Mason Jones, and maybe, you know, not knowing how that's going to play out. And again, I know that there are lots of, you know, rumors out there and such about, you know, these guys maybe leaning one way or the other. But I just, I think we, we just don't know because of the changes to the process and everything. You know, there are guys that, that have gone through this process before that you think aren't going to come back and ultimately decide to come back. And we look at Reggie Perry at Mississippi State last year. I think once he went through the process, uh, he had improved his stock so much. I don't think hardly anyone thought that he was going to come back to school. 
but he did decide to come back to Mississippi State. And so uh, I think Arkansas, you know, let's say they brought everyone back. If they brought everyone back, I mean, I think you, you look at Arkansas as a, as I said, a, a preseason top 25 team for sure. And they could still uh, be in that scenario, depending on if they land some of these grad transfers. Lots of, lots of scenarios I think could play out for Arkansas. And so they're one of those teams maybe with the widest range right now. Uh, but either way, we know they're going to have a very good recruiting class coming in. We know they're bringing back uh, some very good players. So uh, the Razorbacks will be an NCAA tournament team. Uh, just a matter of where potentially they could fit uh, into those seed lines. Uh, and then the last SEC team he does have in uh, at the moment is South Carolina as a number 11 seed and one of the last four teams in. Uh, we talked to Frank Martin last week on the podcast. You heard him talk about his excitement for the group they have coming back. I think Keyshawn Bryant, Justin Manaya, you know, specifically with Keyshawn Bryant. We, we talked about him on the podcast some too uh, throughout the season. I just was really impressed with his development. And, uh, you know, they bring back a lot of players because, I mean, we said Mike Coatsar was the only senior on the roster. So that was still a young team that had a chance to play their way into the NCAA tournament. Uh, so South Carolina is going to be pretty good next season. And I could definitely at this point, uh, again, not knowing what the roster is going to look like, uh, who could transfer in, who could transfer out. Uh, I think you could project South Carolina as an NCAA tournament team. That will be the expectation for the Gamecocks next season. And then uh, when you look at it uh, for the teams that uh, are, are not in the mix right now but are on Lenardi's radar, Alabama is among the first four out group. And, of course, I'm laughing because um, we, we've said, and Alabama fans, it's the running joke on Twitter, is uh, just about how somehow Alabama always winds up in this spot in terms of being uh, one of the, you know, the last four teams in, first four teams out. And uh, we talked about that, uh, you know, throughout the season, how they were kind of on that range uh, before they went to the SEC tournament, uh, you know, probably a little bit further away after they lost some of those games down the stretch. But but that was kind of how it's played out bubble-wise for Alabama over the past several seasons. Uh, so it seems fitting you know, for them to be <laughs> among the first four out. Uh, but, uh, you know, as we said with the Tide, I think if, if they bring back some of their key players, you know, we mentioned who they have coming in, um, if they can get back a couple of those guys from the NBA draft, process um i think alabama has to be considered you know an ncaa tournament team next season uh just because we know you know how well some of these other guys played and developed uh, some of their younger group especially you know Jaden shackleford and then you bring in some of these other guys uh, that they're going to add freshman wise josh primo and you know getting keon ellison there uh, so lots of possibilities for alabama and you'd expect them uh, to be right there having a shot to, to make the ncaa tournament next season uh, i know some of the teams that aren't included that uh, people will look at maybe a team like auburn um, i assume that's because joe lenardi probably doesn't know what auburn's roster is going to look like because they did lose a lot of players on that roster from this season uh, but if they can add you know again we know they're adding Shreve Cooper if they were to get Jalen Green and let's say potentially they they wound up getting Terrell Brown from Seattle um, Auburn would have to be included because they I mean they may not have the exact depth they had this past season but uh, they would be uh, really good and, and there are some other teams too like we're saying in the SEC that uh, once you look at and maybe you know see what the roster is going to look like for sure uh, then you can make the case for them uh, as potential uh, NCAA tournament teams but uh, a long way before we know what the roster is going to look like and a long way uh, before the uh, 2021 NCAA tournament is played so uh, don't get too uh, carried away uh, with this uh, edition of the Bracketology from Joe Lenardi but uh, that'll wrap up this episode of Locked on SEC podcast be sure to subscribe 
head over any podcast app you use. Just search for Lockdown SEC. And again, if you enjoy the show, take a few seconds, leave a nice five-star rating review. That just helps the show reach more people. And for everything else, you can follow me on Twitter at TheBlakeLevel. And as we continue to say, if you're excited for the upcoming NFL draft and want some great coverage, uh, just tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked on NFL Draft for great NFL draft coverage. But thanks as always for listening, and I'll talk to you guys next time here on the Locked on SEC Podcast, part of Locked on Podcast Network.